Here it is. Playoff football is here. Smithy, Teed, and Daz along for the ride. Gentlemen, this is going to be a fantastic one. Teed, both of our teams are in the playoffs in precarious positions, at least for one of us. But uh, how are you feeling, mate? This is when the real football begins. Yeah, um, you know, it's been I, – I, I have said it multiple times that I've just checked out on the Cowboys until the playoffs, and they're finally here, and I really haven't um, been invested in many of their games as of late, but I am excited to sit down um, at work on Tuesday and watch the Cowboys versus the Bucks, And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that, but also the playoffs in general. So as long as we get a good playoffs, um, you know, I'll be happy. And Smithy is here. His team's not participating. I've never seen him in more excited under those circumstances. How are you, Smith? Yeah, I'm pumped, mate. Um, I've enjoyed the week looking at all the coaching rumours and who the Panthers are interviewing and so so much, um, you know, innuendo about that and Derek Carr rumours flying around and it's all <laughs> happening. But um, the playoffs are what it's really about, so can't wait to get into it. Yeah, if you think Smithy's happy now, wait till Derek Carr's the starting quarterback and Matt Nagy's the coach. It's going to be extraordinary. Stick around for that on NFL Down Under. A quick question before we get stuck into these games, boys. It's probably going to be a shorter episode than normal, I hope. But you guys do have a longer how about stat coming up this afternoon so or this evening, so I'm looking forward to that. But who is the singular player under the most pressure coming into these playoffs Smithy, who have you got? Who is the man on the hot seat? You did have a coaching hot seat during the year, and it's come to fruition. We'll talk about that in the end-of-season review, of course. But who's on the player hot seat? Who's number one? Dak Prescott. Yeah, um, I'm with had, the, had the conversation on the podcast a couple of days ago, and the sort of internal crisis I had trying to evaluate whether Dak Prescott was a bad quarterback or not. Um, and uh, the argument against that would be that these uh, regular season games towards the end of the year didn't matter. And uh, if you're going to make mistakes, make them there. But this is where it all counts. If he can't perform in this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cowboys get bounced in the wild card, a lot of the heat is going to come down on him. Um, and it, it'll be warranted in my opinion, because his play in the last month hasn't been good at all. And, um, yeah, the, this Bucks defense, although it hasn't been great this year, you know that they have the runs on the board. So I'm really interested to see how Dak plays. Yeah, I like it. He was my answer as well, but I've got to back up unless Teed does a post Malone from last episode and just steals my answers. Teed, who's the number one man on the chopping block as I just pause that because that was an accident? Teed. Yeah, beautiful. Well done by you there, Des. But um, I'm going Quality segueing there. Daniel Jones, I feel like he's you could you could name a couple of quarterbacks under pressure. Dak Prescott did come to mind for me. Um, Kirk Cousins also came to mind. He was my other one. Yep. Yeah, D Daniel Jones is the only one there that doesn't really have the job security. Um, I think the Giants are going to have a big question in the offseason if they are going to continue uh, rolling with him. I know he's been uh, pretty good this year, but um, you know if he comes into this playoff game and stinks it up uh, he could be on the outside looking in so i feel like he's under the the most pressure in terms of um not really having that security uh, of a position next year yeah i like it but yeah kirk cousins for mine if he shrinks in the i think if he wins a playoff game even though they did win i think it was 13 games then he should be okay i mean you'll cop it for a day or two in the nfl media as we know and then they move on to bigger and better things but Jeez, if they lose this week, oh boy, he's got to hope someone more high-profile loses. But let's get into it. AFC games, and for the first time this year, and I think 
the first time on NFL Down Under. Because there is such few games to talk about, we're going to give full score predictions as well and keep track and see who's really on point. Instead of the tips, boys, even though they're still available on ESPN, and we'll keep doing them all the way through, see who can go from there. We might keep track of maybe a point differential here that we can come back to <clears throat> at the end of every playoff week. But let's get into it. Bills, Dolphins. Can I get the Dolphins bias out of the way early, boys? Is that okay before I leave it up to the experts? Can yeah, I go for says. it. Yep, we're going to get fucking smashed. Smithy! <laughs> How do you think this yeah. is going to go? Uh, yeah, Bills by how much was my sentiment coming into this as well. And the the wheels uh, just deflated when it was announced to uh, would be out of this game. Um, he, The Dolphins look like a completely different team when he's there. Um, and he at least would have put some pressure on the, the Buffalo Bills defense, but... Um, it looks like Skylar Thompson and Mike Glennon are going to be the active quarterbacks. And that's just a recipe for disaster going to Orchard Park to play the Buffalo Bills in a playoff game. A Buffalo Bills team who have the most uh, external motivation to get the job done, considering the DeMar Hamlin situation and the past playoff heartbreak. So this has just got an absolute beating written all over it. Um, and yeah. Uh, I do feel sorry for you, Daz, because um, I saw a stat on Twitter. The Dolphins have made the playoffs twice in the last 14 years and both times have had to start their backup quarterback. So it, it just does seem like there's a little bit of a quarterback curse hanging over the Miami organization. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely not ideal when you're playing arguably the best team in the NFL. I know they don't have a first round buy, but um the Buffalo Bills on their day will beat anyone and the Miami Dolphins are going to be the first on their hit list. Yeah, you know it's morbid amongst fans. I was uh looking for looking through Reddit today in the break at work and someone put on there, what's our luck the Dolphins win the Super Bowl the year after Marino dies? And it's just like that. That's where the spirit is at Miami. So that's where we go. <laughs> Smid, score prediction. And uh, be kind, if you will. I'm going to say Buffalo 34, Miami 9. You know what? That's generous. I'll take it. Teed, how do you see this one going? Yeah, it has lost a lot of intrigue um, without Tua. Um, really, you know, we've seen the Dolphins play the Bills twice. Um, I think, did Tua play that second one? Yes, in the snow. Yeah, yep. he did. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a three point game or something like that. So he's played them and beat them the first time too, didn't he? So um, mm-hmm. he played them close twice, and um, you know he has been unfairly hated this season or um, or copped a lot of criticism from fans of the NFL. But the team hasn't looked good uh, without him at all. Um, I know those, those last few games he played in, they didn't look good either, but they certainly haven't looked any better without him. Skylar Thompson, going to get the start here, who was fine last week, but nowhere near good enough to beat this Bills team, uh, especially in Buffalo. Weather not going to be as big of a, as a factor as, as maybe you'd think in Buffalo. I think it's supposed to be uh, maybe a little sunny, but still pretty cold. Um, so the Dolphins might have caught a, a bit of a break there, but... Um, they just haven't been good enough lately to make anyone think they can win this game. And Daz will tell you firsthand that their second half of the season has been a huge disappointment. Um, there's just there's no way this offense can keep up with the Bills. We saw how efficient the Bills were last off season, oh, not off season, sorry, last postseason um, when they scored 47 and 36 points in their two playoff games. 
Um, and I think the Dolphins fans just have to sit and pray and maybe hope they can force four or five turnovers or something. Um, and that is really the only way I can see them being a chance in this game. But I'll I'll have the Bills 34-17. Uh, I could just see the Bills maybe scoring. Uh, sorry, the Dolphins maybe scoring a late one uh, to make it look a little better than it than it actually will be. But yeah, yeah, um, I feel for you, Daz. Yeah, I appreciate that, boys. It's, uh, you haven't dug the boots in too much, which I like. But I'll tell you what, if there is a bet in this game that the, the people want, we won't do this for everyone. But something so stupid is going to happen in this game. If there is anyone that's going to score a touchdown for the Dolphins, it's going to be Durham Smythe, 100%. Because the, the starters are going to go off at halftime because the game's already going to be over. So book him in, the great man himself. You know what? I feel out of uh, generosity to the team, I'll be somewhat more generous and say 28 to 10. We get a touchdown in there somewhere. Hopefully, it's the Penguin. We want to see a waddle in the playoffs. Let's go to the Bengals and the Ravens. And speaking of teams that are going to be playing their backup, it looks like the Ravens are going to be doing the same. And, Teed, I'll let you kickstart this one. Yeah, we saw this game last week, and it was a 27-16 to win to the Bengals. And that scoreline was honestly closer than the game really was. The Bengals had that game won by halftime. Um, this Ravens team just aren't competitive without Lamar Jackson, who was originally only supposed to miss about one to three weeks, they did say. Um, that was five and a half weeks ago, and he's still not practicing. So uh, it doesn't look like he's going to play unless there's some sort of miracle that happens. But, um, you know, like I said, it, it gives them very little chance to win this game. And 17 the highest score they've had in their last six games without him. Um, and they haven't scored more than one touchdown in any of those six games. So it just shows you how bad that offense is. And, um, you know, I'm sure Lamar will use that in the offseason uh, in contract negotiations just to, to show how much he is worth. And um, on the other side of the ball, their defense has been great, uh, not only all year, but the, in that span of games that um, Lamar Jackson has missed. They've only allowed more than 16 points once, um, and that was last week against the Bengals. This game's just a horrible matchup, and you know you're coming up against the Bengals, which probably is the worst opponent possible um, right now. To be honest, the Bengals—they've won eight straight. They're averaging just under 30 points per game in those eight games. Joe Burrow's playing like the MVP. If Patrick Mahomes uh, didn't exist, their defense as well is actually pretty good, um, and I think they certainly are good enough to to deal with Anthony Brown, uh, who was an undrafted rookie who's going to be starting for the Ravens this game. We all assume. Uh, and they proved that last week that, that you know, they could shut him down and, and do enough to get an easy win uh, against an offense led by him. It, it just is really hard to see this going the Ravens' way. And it is frustrating for Ravens fans, I bet, and, and kind of annoying as just an NFL fan. The Ravens did look pretty good throughout the first half of the season. And um, you're always going to wonder what would be if, uh, if Lamar Jackson was in this game. But I'm going to be picking the Bengals, obviously. Um, I do have great respect for Baltimore's defense, so, so I'm not going to predict a blowout or anything like that. But I think the Bengals maybe win this one 24 to, to 10 or, or something like that, something close to that. I like it, Smid. It, if there was a game, I know the Dolphins for me, but I'm trying to be objective here. If Lamar was playing in this game, this could genuinely be one of the better playoff games. I reckon we might have seen in a while. I know the Chiefs' bills not too long ago stands up there, but this could have had genuine corker written all over it. Yeah, it is disappointing, and you feel somewhat cheated as an NFL fan um, with what the Ravens were doing 
Um, they had that stat going where they led by double digits in, I think, 10 straight games to start the season. So they really were flying, but you, know, you take Lamar Jackson out of that offensive system and, and it all turns to mush, which is understandable because he's such a difference maker. Um, yeah, the Bengals took care of business last week. I can't see why this wouldn't change. The Ravens' defense is awesome, and I expect them to leave it all out on the field and actually hold the Bengals pretty low. But I think this is going to be a slog. I'm predicting 17-6. to six. Bengals win. Ooh, I like it. I'm with you with the six. I can see a couple of field goals going down or maybe a touchdown, but I think the Bengals, I know it's going to be chilly in Cincinnati, but I think it's going to want to put the boots in and go for it. So I'll stick with the six, but I think the Bengals might go a couple of touchdowns, but it's mid. I'm going to go 31 to six on that one. And uh, Smid, while you're on a roll, the Jags and the Chargers, probably the AFC game we're looking forward to the most. Yeah, 100% the AFC game we're looking forward to most. And, uh, it's going to be be a fun one. Both offenses love to throw the ball all around the field, um, and both teams have gone on a nice little winning streak the last few weeks. So it's good to see um, the Jags playing at home. They've been really good at home this year. Uh, it's been somewhat of a fortress down there in Jacksonville, and we know what the Jags did to the Chargers earlier in the year. I didn't get to do the podcast episode because I was on holidays, but you boys so brilliantly spoke about that game where the Jags just put the Chargers away and they didn't just beat them, they embarrassed them in LA. And we sort of thought that could have been the the coming out of the Jags. They went through a down period, but they've come back and they're in this position now to beat a team who they comprehensively dealt with away from home earlier in the season. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. Mike Williams looks like he might get up for this game despite being injured last week. I have had nearly a week to shoe over that decision by Brandon Staley and it still makes even less sense to me now than it did a few days ago. So um, not sure what he's doing there. Stephen A. Smith actually came out on his show first take and said, if the Chargers lose, Brandon Staley will be fired and he will deserve it. So Stephen A. Smith channeling a bit of Jake T. Smith with that take. And I genuinely rate it by the great man uh, because I do agree if the Chargers lose, Sutton's got to give. And I think they are going to lose. I like what the Jags have been doing. Their defense stood up when their offense couldn't really get going last week against the Titans. They had no running game. Trevor Lawrence made some mistakes, but that defense made plays when they needed to. And, um, you know, even though Justin Herbert's been fantastic, I, I don't fully trust that offensive line. I think the pass rush combination of Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker can get a lot of heat on Justin Herbert and force him into some mistakes. I think that Jacksonville crowd is going to go nuts. We saw how loud it was last week against the Titans. It's going to be even louder for this, their first playoff game since 2017, I think, T. Is that right? When they yeah, went to they, the, um, I don't think the yeah, they haven't played the playoffs since then. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So first uh, playoff game since that AFC Championship run in 2017. I think they're just gonna go nuts, the Jags, and bounce the Chargers for what would be a really disappointing season. I think it's gonna be high scoring. I think the Jags will win it. I'm gonna say 28-21. Bang, I like it. Teed, you've got some, well, we've got some vested interest in this one, our favorite QBs outside of our franchises. So it's not quite a rivalry game, this one, but there's a little something on the line. 
Yeah, um, the playoff debut of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert uh, and, and probably is the game I'm most looking forward to overall throughout the whole playoffs, not just the AFC. And the Jaguars, are, are that, they are one of the hottest teams in the NFL. They've got five straight wins and there's only four teams or four other teams that currently have game, uh, winning streaks of five or more, the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Bengals and the Bills. So that's pretty good company to have. Um, Smithy touched on the game they played in week three. The Jags won 38 to 10, and, and I thought that was their best performance of the season all round. They, they just played from start to finish and, and were always going to win that game. Um, you know, they didn't take the foot off the pedal or anything like that. They just um, they played really well in that game, and they did have success running the ball in that game. It's something they didn't have success with last week. They really struggled running the ball um, against the Titans, so they're going to want to do that again. And the Chargers in general have struggled versus the run all year, and especially toward the back end. Um, they've allowed a 100-yard rusher in six of their last eight games. Uh, so Travis Etienne will be licking his lips here. And if you know if you are going to be picking the Jags, you don't have to think too hard to convince yourself um, there is a clear path to victory there, and it is using the run to set up the play-action pass. And um, I think this game just comes down to to how Trevor Lawrence performs. He was shaky last week in uh, in what was it a playoff-type matchup. Um, I think that's only going to help him. And, and being at home is a pretty big advantage too. But I'm going to lean towards the Chargers here. I feel like it, it might just be a, a year too early for the Jags. Um, I feel like if it's coming down to Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence, I can feel I feel like I, I um, can trust Justin Herbert a little more at, at this point. Um, both of them are vulnerable to turnovers and have turned the ball over a bit this year. But Trevor... Um, Lawrence has done that a little bit more. So I, I'm going to take the Chargers to win this game. Uh, it could be the closest of the week, but I'll take them to win 27-24. to 24. I like it. So since week nine, Trevor Lawrence leads the league in QBR completion percentage and the best completion percentage under pressure. The only time that you want to be in a debut playoff game is against a quarterback who's also in his debut playoff game. I love the Jags in this game, and I'm going to take him to win. I like that we're all going close here, but 26-22 is how Dazzling is going to take this 26. one. I'm now just now just doing the math to get and figuring 26. out how that's going to work. I'll figure that it could out. Be a, that could be a scoregami. Yeah, that could be, but uh, there'll be some extra, there'll be some missed extra goals, points. Maybe. Four field through. goals, two touchdowns. Kickers are, kickers are crap, mate. So that's you know what we're about. That's true. That's true. It's... Uh, I might leave me alone. Yeah, so bugger off. All right, let's get into Smithy's favorite segment. Now, he actually loves the competitive part of this because he doesn't want up on him, but he hates the name, and that gives me joy. So it's time for How About Stat. And the music shits him too, but I cut it in half for you, Smith. Playoff time, half the music. That could have kept going. I'm going to give myself an out. That could have kept going. I didn't do it, so you're welcome. The fact you right, bought now, music to it is just disgusting, honestly. Nah, the fact that it the fact that it's bad is what makes it so good. Just you know, I've got to get my kicks in here somewhere as well. Now, Teed, you have comfortably become the perceptive one out of the three of us. You just notice things that other people don't. So now that the playoffs are coming, what do you reckon the theme of this week's how about stat is? Theme, to be honest, the um, you know, if anything of the last 
you know, year or two years is, um, you know, bit, uh, I'm just going to say. Where is he going with this? <laughs> just you can say see that it's not can... going to shock anyone listening to this that I don't even remember the last two that we've done. <laughs> <laughs> See the hamster running on the wheel in his brain, can't you? It's just it's going for its life. He's trying to think of something. I could see the cogs that were just absolutely <laughs> turning there. So, Smid, can you give me the answer that I'm looking for? What do you reckon the theme gonna, of this might be? It's going to be something playoff-based, I would have thought. Yeah, that's the answer yeah, I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Fuck, that so, sticks out like fucking anything. That's, I tried to give you a layup, Teed, but you I don't know what you've done. I I was uh, <laughs> trying to – you were Marshawn Lynch, but you decided to throw it. It's unbelievable. All righty. Gentlemen, oh. you get – you get three strikes as per usual. I am extending out how much of the board you need to fill up, but for crying out loud, you should fill half this up with your eyes closed. So of course, playoff time, I want the top 10. Yes, count them, top 10, Barb, of the quarterbacks with the most passing touchdowns in NFL playoff history. Yes, you know them all. And just for context, Everyone on this list has more playoff touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes because he is 11th. And just a fun fact that I find amusing for no real reason, uh, Mahomes already has more than Russell Wilson. So there you go. Mm, so cop go. that, Russ. Yeah. So there's a little Suck bit of help. Uh, Teed, given your perceptive nature, how about you go first? I'll, um, I'll just make myself feel good and say Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. He's only four away from doing better than second and third combined. If you just want some context into what a freak this man is, and I almost said who's second and third, where that would have given you a helping hand. Smid, who do you reckon is helping make up this top 10? Uh, ben Roethlisberger will be in there, I would have thought. He definitely is. He, If I can do the math, he's seventh currently. He has 35 or 36. 36. I'm not wearing I should wear my glasses. 36. So he fits seventh. So we're on a roll here, gentlemen. Teed. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he is equal second on 45, so you've done beautifully there. Only, of course, 41 away from Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll go Drew Brees. Uh, You will. You should. He's here. He's sixth all time, just one ahead of Big Ben. And strangely enough, his strike rate of 18 games, 37 touchdowns, two a game is... Just about the same as everyone else on this list, bar Aaron Rodgers, and one more that you haven't said. So, Drew Brees, what a star. Underrated. Teed. Peyton Manning. I should probably go to my stat sheet every time I do this. Uh, Big Peyton, yeah, he's fifth. So, he has 40. So, again, you filled up half the board pretty much without blinking. You too. That's why you don't get hints at the start. But the question now becomes who's going to stuff it up first? Smid. Uh, Philip Rivers. Uh, Smid. Smid is the answer to this question on who's going to stuff it up first. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I still don't feel like giving you a hint at the moment. Um, where is uh, Teed? While you think of your next answer, I'm going to try and find Philip Rivers on this list. Jeez, he, would scrolling. Fair, he would have played a fair Jeez. bit of playoff football. He can't be that low. Yeah, I can't see him on here at the moment. Okay. That surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. How many are on here? 11 times. I'm going to research it by myself. I don't trust you. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, it's not mine. It's StatMuse. So get angry at them, why don't you? 
So let me know. Teed, while Smid does whatever Karen does and thinks that their own research is better than the one that's being told to them. Oh, wow. He's only thrown 16 touchdowns in the playoffs. Yeah, sucked in. And 25th has done 17. So I'll take my apology now, Smid, just while Teed's still thinking. Eli Manning. Silence. Okay. Big Eli is not on the list either. Fucking hell. Two strikes. Jesus, where are you two at at the moment? Where is Eli? He's not. Oh, yes, he is. He's on. He's right down. He's 23rd. He has 18 from 12 playoff games. That's big Eli. So just for context, I'll I'll give you the positions on the list, Smith. So you've got third, fourth, eighth, ninth. (laughs) I thought he was going to say the position of the player. I was going to say that's pretty obvious. (laughs) Quarterback, 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 quarterback. quarterback. (laughs) There's something in this. Uh, I'm going to say Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre is fourth. Uh, So he played 24 playoff games for 44 passing touchdowns. So we have four to go. Trying to think what clues I could give you. My goodness. Uh, I'd probably go outside of, uh, I'd think more 80s, 90s or 2000s here, Teed, for a couple of John Elway. Uh, I'll give you one chance to take that back before you stuff this up for us. I've got, a good, say, one. I've got a good one, Teed, if you let me. Yep, yep. Is Kurt John Elway. John Elway. Joel, uh, John Elway, just quickly, he's 12th, one behind Mahomes, 27. So good is, choice uh, to take that back. Is Kurt Warner on that list? He sure is. He's ninth. There we go. He's big Kurt. You're back in business. 31 touchdowns from 13 games. Extraordinary strike rate. Uh, the best, actually, on this list. So you've got eighth, tenth, and third to go. Teed. Third, I feel like we're missing a, a, an obvious one. I was thinking Montana. Surely he's played enough playoff games to throw touchdowns. No yeah. one else is coming to mind. So why not just go with that? I will go with that. Montana. Correct. Joe Montana. He's, correct. He's third. Well done. Beautiful. Oh, well done, 45 equal with Aaron Rodgers. So we have eighth and tenth to go. Can uh, Smid clutch up? Do you, want, do you want any kind of hint, Smid, or nah, do you want to have some thinking time? No, nah, I've got a guess in my head. Okay. Uh, multiple Super Bowl champion, big lefty, Steve Young. I would have taken a hint just quietly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, Steve Young, not on the list. Oh, I can't actually find him here. Was Troy Oakman one of them? Uh, he was my he other not, guess. He is not. Okay. So well, eighth would have been... is... <laughs> yeah, royally screwed. Yeah. Uh, eighth is Dan Marino. 18 playoff games for 32 touchdowns and 19 playoff games for 30 touchdowns. Terry Bradshaw. So there you go. Oh, I wouldn't have got here. Fair enough. Well, I would, have, I would have provided you the hints there if you had have let me, Smid, but you didn't. So, sucked nah, in. My, my ego is too big for hints. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> All right. I like it. Let's get into the NFC games. I'm going to line this up so Teed can talk about the Cowboys first. So, Teed, you can kick us off with the Niners and the Seahawks. I don't know if we'll have enough time for me to get through a Cowboys game, especially a playoff one. But, um, yeah, 49ers, Seahawks, it's obviously – Divisional game, uh, 49ers won the season series 2-0, to zero, um, and it was a one-possession game last time, although I think the Seahawks scored late to, to kind of make that a little closer than it was. But 
There's been 23 meetings between divisional teams in the playoffs where a team has swept the other. Um, that team that did sweep the other is 14-9 and nine in favour. Um, so it's not as one-sided as you would think going 3-0 against a team uh, in a season. But, you know, certainly odds are in San Francisco's favour. Um, I could go into the, the pressure that will be on Brock Purdy in his first playoff game here, but... To be honest, I don't really think it matters. Um, the 49ers defense is way too good. Uh, and I think even if Purdy is is a little sluggish, um, you know, he might only need to score you know, 20 points in this game to win. And that is fairly easy to do with this supporting cast. Um, Debo Samuel will be back. I'm pretty sure he had a bit of a tune-up game last week, but he should be back in full capacity in this one. Um, I wouldn't be expecting a, a blowout or anything like that. Seattle's biggest loss of the season was a 20-point loss in Week 2. Um, their next biggest one after that was 14 points a few weeks ago to Kansas City. But every other game has been a one-score game. Um, you know, to be honest, I do... Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle won, obviously, being a, a divisional game, but I just can't see it happening. It's probably going to take the 49ers' defense to blow up or something like that, like they did against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago for this one, um, you know, to be close in the fourth quarter. But I just feel like the 49ers are too skilled um, everywhere. And, you know, like I said with Brock Purdy, they're, they're a good enough team all around to make up for him making his first start, even if he doesn't play as good as he has throughout the season. And I, I don't hate the matchup for him here. Seattle's defense, uh, not bad. Um, certainly a lot better than they have been in, in the last few years, but... Um, still a pretty good matchup, especially the fact they're at home. Um, you know, I don't expect the 49ers to lose this game. But I also, like I said, I'm not going to be expecting a, a massive blowout or anything like that. I'm pretty sure um, San Francisco extremely short um, betting-wise. But I feel like um, the, the 49ers might win this one 31-17. to 17. I can just see them scoring, um, you know, over 30 points. As I said, this offense... It's just easy the way it's coached, the way it's schemed. It is, um, you know, extremely. It just looks extremely easy to score points, and I think they'll start their um, their playoff campaign with a bang. Beautiful, I like it, Smith. Are you seeing some of the same? I'm pretty convinced the 49ers are winning this very comfortably. This is a historically good defense against Geno Smith starting his first playoff game. Uh, I know they've been really good this year. Pete Carroll's a good coach who's been there before. So they'll be ready, the Seahawks. But this 49ers team is just on a new level. They've finally got everyone back healthy on offense at the same time. So as Teed said, Brock Purdy doesn't really have to do much. He just needs to lean on his playmakers, Christian McCaffrey, both in the run game and the pass game, George Kittle. And Debo Samuel is first in the NFL for yards after catch. So you literally just get it to your playmakers and let them do what they do and then rely on the defense to keep the Seahawks very quiet. So, um, yeah, I think the C the 49ers win it pretty easily. I'm going to say uh, 27 to 13. Oh, I like it. I've literally got 28 to 13 written here, Smith, so you're a prick for that. I want to make it seem like I'm copying you, but I've already got it written down, so stuff you up. But, yeah, I as you were talking, it kind of occurred to me that normally – when Russell Wilson was playing this kind of games, we're all talking about let Russ cook. I mean, Brock just has to do the opposite. He just has to let his teammates cook. And 
just be the provider. And we hate to say it, Teed. I know you and I have talked about this and we agree that the term game manager has gone from a good to a bad thing. That's all he's really got to be in this game. Feed your players and let them do the damage. So yep. I have 28 to 13 written down and I'm sticking to it. So uh, Smid might not be that much between us at the end of that one. Uh, but you're on a roll, Smid. Vikings, Giants. And mm. there's going to be no winners... Uh, sorry, the loser yeah. of this game is going to be absolutely kicked into the dirt, I feel. I don't think there is going to be a winner. The, actually, the only the only result that can you know get a win uh, in terms of the media is if New York win. Yeah. Then I think the, the rise of the Giants will be celebrated. But if the Vikings win, they'll do what they had to do. If the Giants win, it'll just be, you know, a, a fluke of a season that ended in a playoff loss. And if the Vikings lose, oh boy, fasten your seat pelts, get your popcorn ready because it will be going down in NFL media. But this is literally what it is. You know, the, the Vikings coasted through the regular season, but their four losses were bad losses. And it, it seems like they, they keep themselves up with these great wins and then they just bottom out. It, it's, you know, it's sort of like a, a sugar rush. You you just keep eating sugar and you keep holding on, but you eventually have to crash. And after those close wins, they just nosedive and get absolutely blown out of the park. So it'll be interesting to see how they go in the playoffs. We know Kirk Cousins' record in primetime games, and if a divisional, if a wild card game against the New York Giants isn't primetime under the bright lights, I don't know what is. So. There's going to be a lot of eyes on him. How will he respond? It's yet to be known, but I hate to say this, but I have a little bit of faith in Kirk Cousins in this game. I think... That sounded painful. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's not ideal because I know this could come back bite me in a couple of days' time, but you don't go 13-4 and four without being a good team, and I know their losses have been bad and probably made them look worse than what they are, but... I have more faith in the Minnesota Vikings than I do the New York Giants. Um, I think the Giants struggled to stop Justin Jefferson last time they played. And and with Jettas going back to the playoffs, he's going to give his all and provide a pretty exciting performance, I think. Uh, I'm going to say the Minnesota Vikings win 21-17. I think the Giants keep it close because that's just what they seem to do. They're extremely well-coached. Um, and their defense has been playing really well. But I think the Vikings just have a few more playmakers at the end of the day, and we'll find a way to get it done. I like it. Teed, have you got any faith in the Giants so much so to maybe tip them? No, certainly not enough to tip them. Um, you know, I was late to the <clears throat> Vikings aren't as good as their record says um, party, but... Uh, I did think for a, for a lot of the season that they could do some damage in the playoffs. So I don't really think that anymore. They are super talented, um, but their defense is pretty shaky. They did finish with the fourth worst scoring defense in the league, allowing 25 points per game. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were allowing just under 400 yards per game as well, which was down towards the bottom. Uh, and that does suit the Giants. Um, they're a team that I haven't bought into at all this season. Um, it, I feel like it's common with a lot of people in the NFL, um, you know, fans and, and things like that. It, it, it's just kind of because they don't really have an identity. Most teams you can look at and, and, you know, you watch them and you know why they've got a winning record and you know why they're 
winning games. Um, you know, you can't really do that with the Giants. Statistically, they're middle of the road offensively and defensively. Um, it's just the fact that Brian Dable's done an incredible job. Like Smithy said, um, they're extremely well coached, and that's why they finished with a winning record. Uh, they played great situational football, and they found ways to win games late. Um, like I said at the top of the show, Daniel Jones has done extremely well this year, and he does cop a lot of criticism, but he is under a lot of pressure. <clears throat> but he has been improving every year. The start of his career, turnovers were a big issue, um, and he's cleaned that up. He had 31 turnovers in his rookie season. He had 20 in 2020, the year after. He then had 14 last season, and now he's only had 11 so far this season. So probably not getting enough credit for f- fixing that part of his game. Um, and, you know, also, like I said, if the Giants are going to stick with him, he's earned a big payday. But um, the biggest factor in this game for me is the Vikings are playing at home, and they're 8-1 and one on the season at home, and that does include a win against the Giants a few weeks ago. Um you know, I, I do feel like it, it nearly is a coin flip game and, and it could come down to a field goal like that week 16 game um, that I just touched on, but I'm going to take Minnesota. The, the fact that they're at home and, and have such a strong record at home gives me a little bit of confidence with them. Um, and I feel like I, I can, I don't know if I can trust Kirk Cousins more, but I can trust their playmakers more. And, and I think they'll win this one uh, by a field goal 23 to 20. Bang, there we go. I like it. So the Vikings... Some records, uh, I think, that are worth having and some that are not. The Vikings broke the NFL record for the most amount of wins with a negative point differential in the NFL this year. So won 13 games and had a negative three-point differential on the year. Now, that tells you a couple of things. One, they were in close games when they won, and they had a blowout or two, which is definitely true. Uh, I think this game's going to be the ugly one of the weekend. I think we're going to get at least one of the weekend, and I can see Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones struggling to put each other away, but I'll have the Vikings push away a little bit, 20-9. to nine. I think this is going to be a bit of a stinker, to be honest. But, Smid, and to the listeners, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and for the next two and a half hours, TD's going to take us through the Cowboys and the Bucks. Uh, yeah, well, if you're um, if you're not a Cowboys fan or intrigued listening to what I um, talk about when I talk Cowboys, you, you probably want to tune out here. But um, I am not. How about we don't tell the listeners to stop listening to us? That, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's podcasting one hundred and one. If they've made there. it this far, they're listening anyway. But um, yeah, I'm not going to overthink this one. Uh, I do feel like everyone is overreacting to that Cowboys last game. Uh, they do have the better offense there. Well, they have scored 27.5 points per game this year, and you compare that to the Bucks' 18.4 points per game. That's you know nearly 10 points difference at 9.1 if we're being technical. But the Cowboys have the better defense too. They allow less points. They generate more turnovers. Um, and it seems like a lot of people have forgotten the Bucks did finish this season with a losing record. Obviously, they finished 8-9. and nine. Uh, and it wasn't because they had a super tough schedule. It, it was because they have been a bad football team for majority of the year. Uh, they finished two and five against teams that finished with a winning record. Their two wins came against Dallas and Seattle. We all remember that week one game versus Dallas where um, I declared the Cowboys season over. Um, but this is just a completely different team to, to the one that was uh, playing back then all them weeks ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but... You know, it, it was in terms of the NFL. The Buccaneers obviously played 17 games like everyone else, but 
13 of those games, they finished with two or less touchdowns. Uh, that includes six games where they finished with only one touchdown for the entire game. Um, and it is Tampa Bay's worst scoring offense since 2014. Uh, like I said, 18.4 points per game. And that 2014 season, they went 2-14, and 14, which was the worst record in the NFL. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had, or they would have had the number one pick, and I'm pretty sure they would have used it on Jameis Winston there. But their starting quarterbacks that year were Josh McCown and um, and the podcast favorite man Mike Glennon, um, oh. and, and <laughs> that's how bad this um, scoring offense or this offense is scoring wise anyway. Um, and I, I I have no doubt they're going to find success against this Cowboys defense because the secondary is weak. They've, they've had plenty of injuries. The Cowboys uh, and their run defense hasn't been great this season, but I just can't trust Tampa to finish drives. Their red zone offense is one of the worst in the league. They settle for too many field goals, uh, and I feel like that's going to be the difference here. The Buccaneers convert 52% of their red zone drives into touchdowns. The Cowboys convert 71 of those drives into touchdowns. So uh, I feel like um, the the Bucks win this game if Dak Prescott implodes and turns the ball over multiple times. Um, and, you know, from what I've seen in the past, that's that's extremely, I wouldn't say likely, but it, it is possible, um, and that is the way the Bucks win this game. But, um, you know, the narrative, there's a bit of a narrative going around that Dak's been bad in the playoffs throughout his career, um, and I guess his, his record, one and three, might allude to that, but it's just not the case. And I'm more than happy to sit down with anyone and debate that any time, and, and I'd do that. Um, for fun, but I feel like um, he certainly has a point to prove after you know the way he's been playing lately. Uh, the week one loss against the Bucks, and also after last week, he certainly um, you know needs to prove something here. And I think he's going to have one of his better games of the season in a Cowboys win. So optimistically, I'm picking a Cowboys win, twenty-eight to sixteen. I think the key for the Cowboys is to to ha- have a nice lead throughout this game. If you let Tom Brady. Um, stick around in this game. He's, he's going to get you at the end. But I, I, I just think this Cowboys team is way too good to not win a playoff game. Bang. I like it. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve, our man, Smid. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Hit me. Bucks win this one, boys. Tampa yeah, Bay. I'm with uh, you. <laughs> in the playoffs versus Dak Prescott in the playoffs. I know I'm taking every single the week. It's going to be a sluggish game. It's going to be a defensive game. I just don't trust what Dak's been doing. And you know, every week I've been trying to make excuses for these mistakes and I'm running out of them for him. And putting him on the biggest stage here time, uh, Monday playoff football against Tom Brady, who you know, it just seems like he turns into a new human being in the playoffs. I just can't see Dak getting it done in this game, to be honest. Um, and we know that the Buccaneers have always been a good run defense. The Cowboys will probably want to try and establish the run early with Zeke and Pollard, but it, it's gonna it's gonna end up being in the hands of Dak Prescott. And I just can't trust him at the moment. It's as simple as that. And you know, if, if he can come out and the Cowboys can put up thirty five and um, you know do their thing, then I'll. I'll sit back and say, yeah, I was wrong. Dak proved me wrong. But at this stage, as it stands, I cannot trust Dak Prescott in this game. I'm going to tip the Buccaneers in a really ugly game, 17 to 10. Bang, there we go. I've got a bit more faith in the scoring, but the logic is the same. Smid, I I said it last week against, uh, or a couple of weeks ago against your Panthers. I'll stop saying 
look, you just can't bet against Brady, but just copy and paste it in there. 21-17, I reckon the Bucks get the job done. And it wouldn't surprise me if it was a, a game-winning drive and Mike Evans just runs it in or something like that and Tom Brady just does it again. Ever so frustrating. All right, to finish the show, uh, we are going to do a lock, but not a result. Uh, we've mostly agreed. Ted's gone again. I've actually got the same tips as Smithy this week. That's frightening. Um, but Ted's gone against us on a couple, the Chargers and the Cowboys. But we're going to lock something in the offseason in already. We're going to lock a coaching hire. So, of course, the new coach and the team that you think will hire them. I think Sean Payton is going to be announced at the Broncos very, very quickly. So I'll lock that one. Smithy, you came second in the locks in the regular season. You can go next. Yeah, I, I've got, I've got a few. I've been keeping a close eye on uh, the Panthers, obviously for you know reasons that um, you know shouldn't be that hard to guess. But I just have a feeling that Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions, is going to be announced as the Panthers' head coach. Uh, has ties to Carolina. Um, played college at the University of North Carolina. Uh, and he seems to fit the mold of what owner David Tepper wants, a young, offensive-minded guy who can mold a young quarterback. So I'm going to lock that one in, Ben Johnson, to the Panthers. Oh, I like it. And Teed, uh, for not maybe the last time, because we might talk about some off-season stuff, of course, moving forward, but uh, who can you not believe has fallen to <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know about not believing that it's fallen to me, but it, it uh, one of us is going to be wrong, Daz, because I've actually got Dan Quinn going to Denver. Um, Denver, defensive team, they've had a really good defense for a long time, and they do have a history of hiring defensive guys as their head coach, and I do actually really love the fit. Um, obviously, that offense is an issue. It's going to depend which way they want to lean on, but um, if they can sort out someone to organize that offense, I feel like they'd be happy to hire Dan Quinn. I know he certainly, um, unless he chooses not to um, to take a head coaching job and stay with Dallas, which I, I don't know why he would, uh, I feel like someone's certainly going to hire him, and I feel like Denver is the best fit for me. Bang. Beautiful. I like it. All right, Smid, you can wrap up our first playoff episode of the 2022-23 season with your usual aplomb. Yeah, looking forward to the first week of the playoffs. Going to be some fantastic games and, more importantly, boys, fantastic talking points out of the first round of the playoffs. Hopefully, if your team is in the playoffs, they go well. I know I'll be rooting for the Dolphins, even though I don't think they're much of a chance, and the Cowboys, even though I tipped against them. But uh, I like to come on and see you two boys happy with your teams. Don't want it to be a down episode next week. So go Dolphins, go Cowboys, but most importantly... Go Mike Lennon. Most importantly, (laughs) stay safe, everyone.